Good evening and welcome to the Seconds to Midnight podcast. Today I will be covering the U.S. Speaker of the House's trip to Taiwan and the tensions between Kosovo and Serbia. As always, I will try to keep this brief, so let's get right into it. Okay, so first on the docket is Taiwan and China. As we all know by now, the U.S. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, visited Taiwan on August 2nd. But let's back things up a bit. On July 28th, the House passed the Chips and Science Act, which among other things helped create thousands of new jobs in the technology industry and supported microchips being created here in the U.S. I did not read the whole bill because it was over a thousand pages long. But during Nancy Pelosi's House floor speech, she stated that the bill was, and I quote, a national security necessity reducing our dangerous dependence on foreign manufacturing, especially amid growing aggression from the Chinese Communist Party. Now, just weeks prior to this bill being signed, which essentially subsidizes the U.S. chip manufacturers, Paul Pelosi, Nancy's husband, bought over $1 million in computer chip company stocks. Now, Nancy came under fire with allegations that her husband had prior knowledge of the House bill prior to his buying the stocks. Nancy Pelosi, of course, denied all of these allegations. Now, keep this in mind. So with this historical context, let's move forward, and it will make more sense uh, here in a bit. On the 29th, it was revealed that Pelosi would be visiting several countries in Asia and could possibly visit Taiwan, although that was left off the official itinerary. In the days leading up to Nancy's trip to Asia, the former editor-in-chief of the Chinese state media news group The Global Times stated, and I quote, If Pelosi were to visit Taiwan, our fighter jet should deploy all obstructive tactics if those are still ineffective, I think it is okay to shoot down Pelosi's plane. Fiery rhetoric coming from China. On August 2nd, Pelosi, after uncertainty on if she was actually going or not, left Malaysia on a military aircraft, took a three-hour detour over the Philippines, and landed in Taiwan anyway. Her trip was scheduled to last until the 5th, but Nancy went wheels up and left Taiwan on the 3rd, barely spending a day in country. So what did she accomplish while she was there, and what was China's response? First, let's let's cover what happened while she was there we know um she toured the city went to a variety of sites and held one important meeting with a mark liu the chairman of the taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company one of the largest chip manufacturers in the world she also informed taiwan's parliament deputies head that the u.s chip bill is a good opportunity for the u.s and taiwan to cooperate in the chip industry See how, see how this kind of comes full circle. One could ask the question, um, if Nancy just risked World War III to fill her own pockets from her husband's sketchy stock purchases, but I'll leave that up to you and for now focus on China's response to Nancy's visit. So obviously there was a lot of talk and vague text, threats coming from China leading up to the speaker's arrival in the country. But what actually happened? At 2.50 in the middle of the night, as Nancy was getting ready to fly, the China's uh, China's vice foreign minister summoned the U.S. ambassador Nicholas Burns to protest the speaker's then potential imminent visit. The details of the meeting were unknown, of course, but it happened. And then China launched a massive military exercise around Taiwan. Twenty-one Chinese military aircraft took a, took off and entered Taiwanese air defense zone around the time the speaker was landing in country. The training exercise itself is said to include um, a whole host of things, but also a live fire training exercise in which missiles would be launched over Taiwan to the east. 
this is a massive escalation on China's part. Taiwan's general Yu Ching Chang, whatever, stated that the Chinese exercise exercises are, and I quote, um, tantamount to an air and sea blockade of Taiwan. They overlap with Taiwan's territorial waters and airspace and severely violate Taiwan's sovereignty. So we'll wait and see how this plays out as China's exercises are scheduled to continue for several more days. But essentially, they're blockading uh, Taiwan with naval and air exercises on all sides. Now, if you are wondering what the U.S.'s official stance on supporting Taiwan is, here is National Security Spokesperson John Kirby to clarify it. Nothing has changed about our adherence to the One China policy. Nothing has changed about uh, our stance on Taiwan independence, which is that we do not support Taiwan independence. And nothing has changed, James, uh, about our commitments and how seriously we take those commitments under the Taiwan Relations Act. Everything is consistent, James. I, I can't say that any more clearly. So when she says America stands with Taiwan, is she misstating administration policy? You, you should talk to Speaker Pelosi about her comments. I'm not going to parse. I'm not. I'm not saying that, James. I'm not going to speak for Speaker Pelosi. Uh, that's beyond my writ. I can speak for the administration when it comes to national security policy, and nothing has changed about our policy. Now, with that being as clear as mud, let's move on to our next topic. So we saw a recent flare-up between Kosovo and Serbia this past week. To give those who don't know brief history, Kosovo declared its independence from Serbia in 2008, but Serbia still considers Kosovo its province. NATO has had a presence in Kosovo since that time, and Russia has historically backed the Serbs. Kosovo is largely Albanian Muslim, and Serbia is largely... Um, Christian Orthodox. So, in fact, Putin himself often compares the bloody breakup of Yugoslavia in the 90s and NATO's direct involvement in that by bombing Serbia in 99 as justification for Russia's current action in Ukraine. If Kosovo can be independent from Serbia and broke away along ethnic lines, why can't provinces in Ukraine declare their independence along ethnic lines as well? One has to admit his logic does follow. Now, this most recent flare-up is due to regulations that were meant to take take effect on August 1st, which makes ethnic Serbs living in villages in northern Kosovo have to apply for license plates issued by Kosovo for their vehicles. Apparently, prior to this, if you are an ethnic Serb, you can maintain your Serbian uh, vehicle license plates, Um, but that ended this past Sunday. So due to this, ethnic Serbs in northern Kosovo then took to the streets, which then caused Kosovar authorities to shut down two border crossings between Kosovo and Serbia. Kosovar police then fired into the protesters but did not hit anyone. Serbia then stated that the new regulations were in violation of a 2011 agreement that assured freedom of travel between the two countries. Things escalated very fast. Russia came out in strong support of Serbia with Maria Zakharova, the spokesperson for Russian Foreign Ministry, saying, We call on Pristina, the capital of Kosovo, and the United States and the European Union backing it to stop provocation and observe the Serbs' rights in Kosovo. In other words, stating that the new rules discriminated against ethnic Serbs. NATO was equally fast in commenting on the incident and issued a memo that the situation saying saying that the situation was tense and that they would intervene on behalf of Kosovo if security was jeopardized. So let's connect this even more with 
the ongoing conflict with Ukraine. Russia's foreign minister, Lavrov, stated back in June that he was concerned that the weapons that the U.S. were sending to Ukraine were ending up on the black market and that a lot of them were surfacing in Albania and Kosovo. I highlighted this concern in my last podcast. So it should, be no, should not be surprising, if this is true, that in, with additional arms that Kosovo and Serbia would start escalating their conflict as well. The tensions were eased, however, to some degree when Kosovo agreed that, to postpone the license plate regulation until September. Since then, however, I've seen some activity on social media that would suggest things are only somewhat eased uh, due to Kosovo police stopping and searching Serbian vehicles at will. Again, allegedly. This will likely heat up in the coming weeks as we get closer to the new deadline in September. So we'll keep an eye on it, but it's just one conflict that could lead to a much larger conflict with Russia and NATO. And that's it for today. Looking forward, however, keep an eye on Armenia and Azerbaijan, two small countries that could be a tipping point for a larger conflict. Um, This past week, three soldiers were killed in the age-long disputed area over Nagara-Karabakh, where Russia peacekeeping personnel have been since the peace agreement that was established in 2020 um, took effect. I won't get into the history there, but it's something to watch. Um, Things seem to be escalating there again. But anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.